Okay, so today we're looking at World's Finest Comics, number 11, The Fall Issue, that came out in September of 1943. On the cover, we have Superman, Batman, and Robin. They're all gardening in a victory garden. Robin has a hoe and is standing next to some vegetables, wiping his forehead. Batman has a trowel and is kneeling next to some peas. And Superman is standing near the front of the cover, carrying a bunch of other vegetables, like carrots and celery and cabbages, just holding them in a barrel. When we look down at the ground, we can see different rows of things, like cabbages, peas, and onions, all labeled. And there's at least one stalk of corn planted in this garden. It's all we can see. The inside cover is a little more Batman-specific. In one corner, we have Father Time with his sickle and an hourglass necklace hanging around his neck, and he's being threatened by a bunch of clocks. There's an alarm clock and a mantle clock and a grandfather clock, all holding guns and pointing them at him. The alarm clock and the mantle clock have grown hands at the tips of their hands, but the grandfather clock's hands are just on its face, and it's grown arms out of its sides to hold the gun with. I think it's slightly more disturbing than the other two. And backing up the clocks is this bald guy holding a gun. He's wearing this green leotardy thing with red accents on his legs, gloves and collar. But Father Time has backup too in the form of Batman and Robin jumping in from the top left corner to beat up these gun-wielding clocks. And this comic is called A Thief in Time. So this story begins in a far-off greater Gotham City. It's not far off in space, it's far off in time. When new generations populate our planet, the comic says. And we see the guy from the cover, who also has a red belt and shoulder trim, coming out of a museum called the Batman Museum. Ten million dollar exhibit trophies of famous manhunters past. And the silhouette of Batman is sticking out of the window. Do you think that's his shadow? Do you think they hired it on to work at the Batman Museum? It certainly would have a lot of knowledge. I have no idea what decade this man is supposed to be from. Hopefully quite a bit farther than our time because I don't want to dress like him. He's just come out of the museum and he's reflecting on what he saw in there. He's like, I wish I were back in Batman's time. I'd know what to do. I could be a millionaire. Well, probably. Most of Gotham City is populated by millionaires from what I can tell. But this is just a dream for this guy, whose name we learn is Rob Callender. And later he has to go back to work as some sort of lab technician. He's puttering around in his workshop with several other guys. And in the foreground we see a yellow bottle labeled Formula, Handle with Care. As we watch, Rob Callender picks up two vials and starts pouring one into the other, and one of his co-workers rushes towards him. He's all, hey, Calendar, watch what you're doing, as Rob Calendar has lost focus, dreaming of living in Batman's time. Too late, says the comic, for as so often happens when trained hands grow careless, 
and there's a giant boom, bright red and yellow. And suddenly, Mr. Rob Callender is falling through a light blue tunnel. He's all, is this what is meant by dying? But no, it's not dying. Moments later, or to be more accurate, years before, Rob Callender stumbles onto the street of Gotham City in Batman time. He immediately recognizes it from the architecture. I'm actually living in the past, he says. Now he will be able to fulfill his wish of being a millionaire just like he wanted. But, he says, a space-time warp can't last indefinitely. He must have some experience with space-time warps. So whatever he's gonna do to be a millionaire, he's gotta do it fast. And just his luck, he's immediately thrown into the thick of it when Batman and Robin chase a bunch of gangsters around a corner right next to where he's standing. He's in an alleyway, so they don't immediately see him, and they're too busy fighting each other. One of the guys is like, stand up and fight, you mugs. And Batman's all, yes, do as he says, mugs. Stand up and fight. And of course, Rob Callender is astonished. Batman and Robin, he goes. But nobody hears him, and Batman and Robin continue with their daily routine of beating up thugs. Mocking them and making puns all the while. This Batman and Robin are indeed so good at fighting that we only need a single panel to establish that they're winning before Robin gets cornered by a guy with a gun. In the alley, Rob Callender is all, Look out, Robin. This is terrible. But then he thinks, I can't do anything to save him. Luckily, he doesn't have to because Batman shows up just in time and kicks the gun out of the guy's hand. The guy goes sprawling on the floor, right into the alleyway where Rob Callender is. Batman and Robin are so busy with their fight, they don't even notice Rob Callender stripping off this guy's green suit to replace his weird future clothes so he can blend in. Later, they do find him completely undressed, though, and don't know what to think. Batman's all, I couldn't have knocked him clean out of his clothes. And Robin's like, well, you must have, Batman. How else could an unconscious guy get rid of them? I don't know, Robin, but I don't think Batman punched him out of his clothes. That sounds ridiculous. And indeed it is. Rob Callender has stolen this man's clothing. And it's not the only thing he's going to steal tonight. He breaks into some sort of pawn shop, I believe, and acquires some tubes and vials for science. The guy at the counter is sleeping, so he doesn't need to perform any violence on that guy. Rob Callender easily gets away with the vials, but he doesn't have any secret lab or setup or anywhere he can go, so he just breaks into a deserted basement and starts doing science experiments. He calls the equipment primitive, but after a bit of tinkering around, he creates a darkness gun. Kind of like a reverse flashlight. He shines it, and it shines darkness instead of light. It's totally impenetrable to the naked eye, but Rob Callender has also fashioned some infrared goggles to penetrate the artificial pall that will enable him to see clearly. And now he's going to enact his plan to become a future millionaire. But what will that plan be? And what is the purpose of Rob Callender, the man from the future? What riches does he seek that apparently can be found only in the past? The comic asks. Probably not money, inflation and all.
But actually, Rob Callender might be seeking money because he immediately robs a bank. He shines his darkness beam at the customers and they go, Oh, I'm blind. I can't see a thing. One of these signs says paying and something else I can't read. But the other says bonds. Maybe Rob Callender is after war bonds. So apparently you can still turn in World War II bonds, but they only gain interest for a set amount of years, the maximum of which for World War II bonds was about 40 years. So while he can definitely make the war bonds more valuable, they won't keep rising in value indefinitely. Eventually, they'll just be worth some amount. But Rob Callender actually isn't after war bonds. He's after $100 bills. He steals $10,000. Why such a specific amount? Well, because he actually wants to do something specific with these $10,000. We don't know what, but he says that if he has any leftover when he's done doing what he wants, he'll return the rest to the bank by mail. Yeah, sure, Rob Callender. We find out later he's from... 2043. Like, he can address an envelope. What's he gonna do? Google it? But that's not a problem for him right now. Right now, he needs to hire some crooks with his ill-gained money. And later, under one down night, he hires a bunch of crooks. They say they'll do anything if he pays them, but he just wants them to guide him around to various locations. No violence. Which, in Batman comics, doesn't mean no beating people up, it just means no killing people. Now that Rob Callender has acquired some help, he's gonna go on his real millionaire-making crime spree, and he begins in a school where he casts his darkness beam. All the children start rubbing their eyes and crying. And Rob Callender is able to go in with the classroom completely blackened wearing his infrared goggles and snatch a book out of some kid's bag. He's all, here it is, let's go, while the teacher tells the children that the light is probably out because it's an eclipse. I don't think that's how eclipses work. Later, coming out of public school, as it brands itself, Rob Callender is immensely happy. He's all, it's actually in my possession. Abel's third primer. It's almost too good to be true. I see, this is a valuable book in the future. He's gonna get all these old-timey valuables and then sell them for a bunch of money. His crooks don't get it, though. They don't know he's from the future, so for them, he just stole some random book and they think he's weird. He has to yell them into submission and tell them that he's paying them to do whatever he wants. They eventually agree, and Rob Callender goes on with his crime spree, this time sneaking into the shop of a woodworker, an obscure one. The guy's all, what's happened? Everything's gone black. And then Rob Callender steals one of his lamps. He's all, this will work splendidly. Now let's be off. So he and the thugs escape into the night, the thugs even more confused than before. First he steals a book, then a lamp. What's he gonna do next, one says. Another just calls him a nut. A rich whack. And in the home of Bruce Wayne, where the real rich whacks live, Bruce is sitting in a yellow stripy chair, reading a paper and listening to the radio. Normally, what Rob Callender stole probably wouldn't be too impactful. Maybe the $10,000, but certainly not the lamp in the book. Except his use of artificial darkness is really unique. And Bruce says that he thinks it's time Batman and Robin looked into this matter, even if he is just stealing random stuff. 
And since they heard about the artificial darkness, they prepare by taking out their infrared goggles. Wow, Batman, finally. There have been so many times you could have used them in the past, but I guess using them when there is clear and present need is better than forgetting they exist at all. And so prepared, Batman and Robin head out in the Batplane to find Rob Callender. They find him immediately somehow, and they put on their infrared goggles in preparation for a fight. The place they found him at is actually a tumbled-down waterfront shack with an unknown author living in it. Rob Callender goes in and points his darkness gun at the guy, and he's all, My eyes! And Rob Callender steals this manuscript of his off the table. Gee, Rob Callender, you could have waited until the book was published. I guess he doesn't know when he's going home. But still, now it might never be. Rob Callender has just stowed the manuscript, and Batman and Robin burst in, wearing their bright red infrared goggles, which look very silly on Batman. Different than his normal ones, which are blue. But since these thugs have no advantage on Batman and Robin, they're easily able to beat them up. Saying things like, Come on, there's nothing to stop you, except four fists. And the four is spelled like the number four, instead of the word four. I can't tell how I feel about that pun. Maybe a little angry, but maybe also a little impressed that Batman is playing with linguistics like that when the thug obviously won't be able to tell. Batman and Robin beat these guys up completely. Batman even throws a big box into Rob Callender's face and something falls out of his pocket with a clank. Eventually, though, somebody gets a good hit in on Batman and one of the thugs goes up to him with a gun. He's all, you're finished, Batman. But then Rob Callender stops him. He's all, no, you fool. I wanted no bloodshed. Pretty sure you said violence, but I guess death and violence are the same thing here. Instead, Rob Callender pulls out his gun, but it's a different gun than the darkness ray, even though it looks exactly the same. This one is a paralysis ray that temporarily short-circuits nerves. He hits Batman, and then he hits Robin too, and Robin runs over to check on Batman, and they're both completely paralyzed. Once they're paralyzed, the thugs are easily able to bind and gag them. He says himself that this will prevent them from interfering with his plans. But then for some reason, instead of leaving them tied up in the house, he decides to take them with him on this boat he has. It's a stolen boat, but he swears that naturally it shall be returned to its owners and one of his thugs is all. Yeah, naturally. They're dragging Batman along and he thinks to himself as he goes, the smug murderers. Listen to them gloat while we're unable to move a single muscle. Rob Callender and two of his thugs also get in the boat with Batman and Robin, and then they row out to a larger boat. An old light ship, breached on a reef. It's not theirs, but apparently they think it's a good place to store Batman and Robin in the meantime. I guess that makes sense. They board the larger ship and throw Batman and Robin in this hole below decks. One of the thugs offers to shoot him, but Rob Callender says no. No shooting Batman, he already told him that. He wants Batman alive. They go to leave, but right before they do, he calls down to Batman. Have you ever heard of art in a textile mill, Batman? Think about it. I'll have you released in a day or two. Meanwhile, farewell. 
He leaves, and only after he does do we find out some crucial information from Batman. Apparently, the hold Batman and Robin were thrown into is not a watertight hold. Every day when the tide comes in, the shipping hold fills up with water. You can tell from the waterline on the ship. The walls are painted blue below it and yellow above it, but since... Rob Callender doesn't know anything about ships, or the color change wasn't as dramatic in the real world, he didn't realize that water would be coming in through a leak to drown Batman and Robin. Now Batman and Robin have to get on deck before the hole in the ship drowns them both. Irony of ironies, says the comic. Here is a jest for the jeering fates, to be slain by a man with a distaste for violence, who has unwittingly sentenced a pair that staunchly withstood the most lethal plots of the underworld's deadliest murderers. But wait, maybe Batman and Robin can actually escape this. As we watch, Batman goes over to the wall, and it turns out the part that's often covered up by water should be even more obvious than we thought because it's covered in barnacles. And these are sharp barnacles. Robin says that they stick to the wood-like glue and are as sharp as knives. And as Batman rubs away at his ropes, he thinks, ouch, they really are. But they do eventually free him from his rope, and he's able to go untie Robin as well. The two of them manage to climb out of the hold with water barely covering their knees, so they weren't even in that much danger. But even though after they get out, they're out of immediate danger, they're still trapped on an immobile ship about 20 miles from land. Robin says it'd take them a whole day to swim back, which I do believe. Swimming is hard. So they go up to the top of the boat, and they see a very old signal. It obviously worked when the boat worked, but now that the boat's been damaged, they don't know if it's still in good repair, and even if it was, it hasn't been used in years. But there is a gasoline drum on this ship, which could possibly fuel the signal tower. Batman and Robin grab the gasoline drum and take it to the top of the signal, where they pour it in to see if it'll be adequate fuel. Batman says that lighthouses like this burned acetylene carbine to produce a brilliant flame. But that was for actual lighthouses, and they only need to signal the shore, so gasoline will probably work for them. And just to make sure that their signal is taken extra seriously, Batman slapped a bat sticker that he just carries around with him onto this signal. And when the gasoline actually starts burning and the signal lights up, it is indeed a bat signal, and since they're in an actually populated part of the city, it is immediately seen by a boat containing harbor police, who recognize it as Batman's and head towards it immediately, where they find Batman and Robin on this old crashed ship and help them back to the docks. Batman's all, thanks boys, you saved us a long swim, and the police are just flattered to meet Batman. When Batman and Robin get to the docks, they're back into action. Robin wants to go to the textile mill, but Batman has a different idea. You see, the police boat they took back from the wrecked ship was super fast, so the thugs might still be on their way to the textile mill. No way of knowing. So what Batman and Robin should actually do is interview the guy who got his manuscript stolen. They go back to his shack and ask him questions about the manuscript, like... Why did the thugs steal it? Was it valuable? 
and the author tells them that no, it wasn't a valuable manuscript. In fact, it was a terrible manuscript. The author was extremely disappointed with it and was going to tear it up himself before it got stolen. Batman's all, hmm. Looks like Rob Callender could have just asked the guy for the manuscript. They do some more detective work around the house, and Batman remembers something falling out of Rob Callender's pocket in the fight. So they go and check around for what it was. Turns out it was a penny. Robin finds it under a bed. He's all, it's only a penny, but holy smokes. And we see that it's a penny from the year 2043. Ugh, I really hope we don't have pennies in 2043. What could you even buy with one, a single matchstick? Robin says that this future penny is probably a phony, but Batman isn't so sure. After all, it looks like it's been handled by thousands of people, and hints at a crazy truth. Yeah, Batman, a 2043 penny is going to be handled by thousands of people. That's even more implausible than it being made at all. But now Batman and Robin have found their clue, and Batman's starting to suspect the truth. Now the crazy assortment of things that Rob Callender has stolen start to make sense. A kid's school book, a table lamp, and a manuscript? Robin can't figure it out, and Batman feels like his explanation might be a tad too fantastic. So they discount it for now, and hop in the Batplane to get to the textile mill. Batman was right about the police boat being fast, too, because they break in basically at the same time as Rob Callender and his thugs. He's all, Batman and Robin, how did you escape? Even though at the beginning of the comic he was coming out of the National Batman Museum, he must have learned somewhere inside that escapes are Batman's specialty. But Batman isn't too interested in what Rob Callender has to say now. Instead, he recalled what Rob Callender said earlier about art in a textile mill, and we see a night watchman painting a picture. Clearly, this is the painting that Rob Callender was talking about, so Batman and Robin can't allow him to have it. They beat up all his thugs, and after all those are beaten up, they go to beat up Rob Callender himself. He still has the paralyzing gun, but with Batman in front of him and Robin behind, he can't shoot both at once. He tries to shoot Batman first, but then Robin launches some card on wheels at him and knocks him over. The paralyzer gun goes flying, and since this is a fake gun, Batman can wield it just like a water pistol. He points the gun at Rob Callender and says that they're going to get to the bottom of this. He lists all the things that Rob Callender stole and guesses that he only stole them because one day in the future they'll become very valuable. Rob Callender gets all defensive. He's like, well, yeah, I did take all that stuff, but it wasn't really stealing. I mean, that kid won't miss his book. And since the other people aren't going to get much compensation for their work anyway, he might as well take it for free. Good point, except why didn't you just buy all these things with the $10,000 that you stole? Like, walk into the painter's house and give him 20 bucks for his lamp. It would make his day. He'd probably sell you a bunch of stuff. Robin still doesn't believe that Rob Callender's from the future, though. He's all, how do you know this stuff's going to become valuable in the future? And Batman's like, he knows Robin because he's from it. And Rob Callender's like, precisely. These masterpieces were to have been in your collection of trophies. But they never will be because I'm going to take them back with me. 
this would probably be the point that Batman chained him up and took him to prison, except swish, and there's a huge panel of clouds. Rob Callender's disappeared. Batman and Robin look around frantically, trying to find him. Batman's all, he's gone, just like that. And Robin says that it gives him chills. After Rob Callender's gone, his crime spree ends. Batman and Robin consider all the things he's stolen. Robin's all, so what should we do with them? And Batman tells him that they have to take them back to their owners, of course. He doesn't want them to wind up in his trophy case like Rob Callender said they were. He doesn't want to prove him right. But when he takes the stuff back to the people that it was stolen from, none of them want it back. The kid already has a new book, and none of the people who had their work stolen thought they were worth very much. So, Batman and Robin take them home and put them in their collection. I guess that proves that time travel is circular in the Batman universe. As they put this stuff in cases in their trophy room, Batman ponders that exact question. And whether it's fair or not to tell these people, they will posthumously become famous. But in the end, all he can decide is he'll never know the future. But in 2043, or maybe sometime after, Rob Callender's return to the future to the Batman Museum, staring at a display of Batman and Robin's trophies, all the stuff he'd just stolen the past. He's all, blast the luck. That space-time warp straightened out before I could bring these priceless objects back with me. But I suppose I was doomed from the start. After all, you can't cheat time. The end.